Good morning, Lindsay Lane North. We are so glad that you have joined us here at church today. My name is Becca, and Alan and I are so thankful to live out our dream right here in Elkmont of being a church that is in the community for the community. If today is your first time with us, please fill out the Connect card you received in your bulletin and drop it in the offering bucket on your way out today. One of our pastors will reach out with a call, text, or email this week just to say thanks and to see how we can minister to you. If there's anything we can do for you while you are here, stop by our Next Steps table and someone will be happy to assist you. We hope you have a wonderful day and enjoy the service. Well, good morning, Lindsay Lane North. We are so glad to have you. If either you chose to join us in person today or uh, online, we are so very, very thankful. We get to start off the service in a very incredible way, and it is super special for me, uh, not just as a pastor, uh, but as a dad. I get the opportunity to baptize my middle child. So my, my youngest son, Hudson, is getting baptized today. So we are super duper excited. His mama and I are super excited about what God's done in his heart. We got to have a good conversation. He's had many conversations with grandmama and pawpaw and aunts and uncles. And I got the opportunity to have a conversation with him just a few weeks ago. And uh, he gave his life to Christ and wanted to be baptized. So we wanted to uh, give him that opportunity. We got some kids that are filing in. They want to see his baptism as well. And we just support him in, in, everything, uh, in everything that he does. And I promised him I wouldn't leave him down too long in the water. Although he might deserve it. All right. <laughs> Hudson, have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Amen, buddy. Because of that profession of faith, I baptize you, my son, and my brother in Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood of Jesus, raised in newness of life. I love you, buddy. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. Mm. It doesn't get any better than that, church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for what you've done in my family. Thank you for what you're doing in this church family. God, I pray as we focus on you today, God, I pray that you would be brought glory in everything that's done and that's said. Father, we love you. We thank you for, for the opportunity, God, that you've given us to worship you today in spirit and in truth. And I pray that we would take advantage to do just that. Lord, we love you. Be glorified in everything that's done and said in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Welcome. My name is Will. I'm the worship pastor. I'm glad to be here. Go ahead and stand as we begin this morning. We serve a powerful God. He's good. He can do anything that he wants to this morning. Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch. My eyes are open to see, my heart can't help but believe, there's nothing that our God can't do, 
There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Amen. Just one word, you heal what's broken inside me. Just one word, and you revive every dream. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see, my heart can't help but believe. Come on, there's nothing that I can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that I can't do. Oh, there's nothing that I can't do. There's not a prison wall you can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that I can't do. This next bar is real simple. Sing it with me. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Come on. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree, there's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree, there's no power like His power, there's nothing that I God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Oh, I said there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Sometimes you, you get in a place in life and you think, man, I've really messed up here. 
I've really done it this time. God is still powerful. He's still on the throne. He still loves you. He still wants a relationship with you. And that's why we're here this morning, to sing to him, to minister to him this morning, to lift up our hearts and surrender to him. And so let's sing this again. There's nothing that our God can't do. Oh, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Come on. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Come on, praise him this morning. Storms may win. 
That's such a great reminder to wherever we are in life that, that his goodness, he sent Jesus for us. He sent Jesus to pay a price that we couldn't pay so that we could know him, so that we could have a relationship with him. And if he did nothing else, that would have been enough. He never promises that we won't go through things in our lives, but he promises that he will be there with us. So wherever you're at this morning, I pray that you would surrender to him today. There's a grace when the heart is undefined. Another way when the walls are closing in. When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There is another in the Standing next to me, there is another in the water, holding back the seas. Should I ever need reminded of how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears the burden, where another died for me. There is another in the fire. All my dead left for dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore Should I fall in the space between Where I raise a me and this reckoning Either way I will bow to the things of this world Lift your voice and I know I will never be alone There'll be another in the fire Standing next to me There is another in the waters Holding back the seas Should I ever need reminding The power set me free There is a grave that holds no body now the power lives in me There is another in the fire Oh, there is another in the fire Oh, there is another in the fire Oh, he's with you this morning There is another in the fire
come with me in the space between all the things I see and this reckoning. Listen, I know I will never be alone. Celebrate this morning. I know I will never. And I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire. I know that's where you'll be I count the joy from every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I count the joy from every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I count the joy from every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be There'll be another in the fire Standing next to this morning to the Lord. I don't know where you're at. I know where I'm at. I've, uh, I've come in here many times with burdens, with, with heartaches, and no matter where you are, he's with you. You just got to surrender. You've got to give it to him this morning, whatever that is. Let's lift this up. Oh, I surrender. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. Amen. Sing it again. Oh.
Let's pray. God, we're thankful this morning that, Lord, we can cast our burdens on you, that, Lord, you are there with us wherever we are at this morning. Lord, I thank you for the power that is in the name of Jesus and, God, that is only in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus this morning that, God, you would meet us today where we are. Your presence is here. God, you're in this place. We brought you in with us, those of your, those who are your children, when we came in the room today. And God, we give your spirit freedom in this place to do as he wants to do today. I pray for our pastor. He's bringing a word that, uh, that is not popular um, as he lays out what the Bible teaches and, uh, and what you have given to him. So Lord, I pray for him this morning that you would speak through him. Prepare our hearts, God, for what you have. And God, we give you freedom to change us, to change lives in this place today so that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How is everybody this morning? I'm doing great. Awesome. Can I just say I am doing fantastic? Man, what a blessing. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, man, we are, we are super, super excited. And we're excited to have you here. Uh, if you are, whether this is your first time or your 101st time at North, we are glad to have you. If you're joining us online as well, thank you for joining in uh, as well. As the Buffer video said, this is the Untouchables series. The subjects and things that we as pastors tend to shy away from from time to time. And so we're going to approach those head on over the course of this summer uh, because I believe we need clarity as, as God's people. I believe we need clarity as this local body of believers. Uh, and so we want to be able to share in that. Last week we talked about money, right? And there can be a very, very... Um, it could be a stigma when we talk about money because it's things that we can control uh, and it's things that are difficult sometimes for us to, to lay aside uh, for the sake of others. And so, um, and, and so anyway, so we talked about money last week. This week, we're going to talk about church politics, church politics. Uh, we're going to talk about how things can get really out of hand when we as the leaders don't understand, number one, our place, and don't understand, number two, our purpose uh, behind why we are involved in ministry. And so speaking of ministry, in front of me is not an elaborate illustration, okay? I know that I am, y'all are used to seeing elaborate illustrations and like anything on the stage is fair game. The iguana is going to stay right where it is, okay? We're not using it today in the service. We have our VBS coming this week. And so many of you I know are signed up, hopefully, to help with that and to serve in that. And so we are, we're really excited about that. And so we believe God's going to do an awesome work. And so here's what I did in the first service, went off script, and we're going to do it again this service. Would you join me in prayer as we pray for what God's going to do in the lives of these kids uh, this week? Would y'all join me in prayer as we do that? Father... God, we thank you for the opportunity, God, that you've given us to be your hands and your feet, your ministers of your gospel. 
God, you've entrusted it to us. And so this week, God, as you have given us the platform that is Vacation Bible School, as kids dig into the truth of your word, God, more than information, God, I pray that, pray that you would bring transformation in the lives, Lord, of, of kids that may, may be of members here, uh, but God, children in our community as well, that you'd bring them in, Father. I pray for discipleship to take place, for evangelism to happen, and not just at Lindsay Lane North. I know of three other churches in Elkmont proper right now, God, that are, that are going to be having VBS as well. God, we pray that you'd pour out your spirit on them as well, uh, that God, that we would make it harder to go to hell from Elkmont, Alabama as a result of what's going to transpire this week. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for all that you do for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you, church. When I was a senior, my baseball experience, I played baseball and football, and the way it worked, now pretty much everybody is a one-sport kind of thing, that you play one sport your whole life, and you never stop. Uh, I played baseball and football, and so the day after baseball season, it was football season. The day after football season, it was baseball season. I'll never forget, I loved football. I loved what happened on Friday nights in football. Can I just say I hated everything else about football? I hated the stuff that went on during the week in football. And so when I think about football, I miss Friday nights. I don't miss football. I miss Friday nights. When I think about baseball, I miss baseball. My senior year, uh, we were picked like dead last in our region. And uh, I'll never forget, man, we were going up against teams like Lee that had Craig Kimbrell on the mound for them. Um, Y'all know who that is? Most, many Braves fans in here understand. Uh, I, I went up against, uh, Bob Jones had Grant Dayton, uh, which is still pitching for the Braves. Um, not well, but he's pitching. And I don't think any of the Braves are really pitching well, but, uh, at least the bullpen. But, uh, but that's the, that was, that was, those were some of the people that we were up against. We had multiple people in our school. I remember Grissom had two or three guys that had full-ride scholarships to Auburn. The most decorated player that we had in our senior class went to community college. That's, 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 that's the truth. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, that's literally how it was. And so Hazel Green was not picked to do anything. Uh, and I was, you know, I was just a part of it. I, I loved, I'd played my whole life. But can I tell you, we ended up winning our region that year. And it wasn't because we had the highest, most decorated players. It wasn't because we even had the most athletic or the people with the most talent. What we had was unity. And let me tell you, uni, unity can cover a lot of deficiencies. When a team is unified, there's many deficiencies that can be covered because they're for one another. Can I tell you the most detrimental thing for the kingdom of God is for his church to be divided. It's one of the most detrimental things that could ever happen for to a local body, but to a collective body, right? That we, we are watching denominations right now Ours in particular, that this week while we're doing VBS, they're going to be meeting in Nashville, making some having some discussions and making some decisions that are immensely divisive. They're going to be doing, we need to be in prayer for these church leaders because here's what happens when we as a church portray disunity, we smear the name of Jesus. We make things about ourselves and not. And so before you hear anything else today about church politics, and I'm going to say some things that many of you may not agree with, but as we address it, I want you to hear this. For unity in the body to be possible, 
The purpose must ring truer than anything else in our church. The purpose must be the reason why we're gathered here. Because we're going to disagree. As a church, as a church member, you may disagree with me. I may disagree with you. Praise the Lord. Let's still win people to Jesus. Amen? And so we're going to look at this idea of church leadership because it is prevalent in our day. There are people that have made positions of a position of power and have become puffed up as First Timothy would talk about and they've become conceited and they've become selfish and they've made ministry about themselves, not about the kingdom of God. And so I believe that we need to address it today in our church. And with that, it'll be a practical application of where we are as a church body. We're going to find that in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, who is the pastor of the church at Ephesus. We know that because he tells him, remain in Ephesus. Stay there. Be the pastor there. Be the pastor of these people. Be the elder, the overseer for these people. But the first thing we're going to see is the positions of church leadership. The positions of church leadership, we talk about the divisiveness that can take place in the church. Many times we're talking about an overstretch or a misuse of the positions that God has placed within the church. The first one we find in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This is what it says. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It's the office of overseer. Now, your translation may say elder. It's translated other, this word in the Greek is translated other ways. It's translated as priests in other places and in other translations. It's translated as elder. It's even translated as shepherd in these other places. The word overseer, though, is, is, speaks to the function of this position. The overseer oversees. Titus calls the position of overseer a steward of God's people. And so... A steward or an elder or a priest or a shepherd or whatever word that we're going to use. We're going to be throwing around a lot of, 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 of different terminology. But it means, it, it contains the office of overseer. The word in the Greek is episcopate. And it speaks to headship and leadership within the church. Now, church denominations, we see what translators have said. Church denominations and church, throughout church history have called them different names as well. We've called some pastors. We've called them rector. We've called them presbyter. We call them pastors. Church elders functioning to provide the vision and oversight for the church. They are to hear from God and then cast direction to his people. This is the role of overseer. And so an elder is defined by their headship. In your notes, the elder is defined by their headship. It is the position of steward of the being a steward of God's people. They're the casters of vision and the discerners of scripture. As a steward, they will give account for those under their leadership. The role of pastor, the role of elder, the role of overseer is unique and that I believe when I stand before God, not only will I give an account of what I've done, but I will give an account of how I have led, how I have led God's people as a steward. It is not a task that I take lightly or flippantly. So when I make decisions about our church, when I understand that I believe there are eternal consequences to the, whether good or bad, to the decisions that I make, it is not something 
that I see as, as a way to grow in fame or popularity, it is something that I know that I'm going to give an account for. As a steward, God's going to ask what I've done with it. And so as an overseer, and so we have those. Now, other churches function differently. The role of overseer is, is an elder board, and I don't have anything against that. There's going to be other church uh, systems of government that I'll tell you about, I don't have anything against. I don't have anything against having an elder board. I have something against the pastor not being on the elder board or leading the elder board, but I don't have anything against an elder board. These are the people that are studying God's word, but there are clear things that they must be able to do. But this is an office that we have in leadership. For us, we have three. We have myself, we have Will Stutch as our worship pastor, and we have Joseph Baker, who is our student pastor. These are the guys that we have equipped, that we have trained, that we believe to cast the vision for our church. The second thing we see, though, is deacons, the office of deacon. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Right, He makes mention of it, and then he begins to talk about it. In verse 8, we see deacons, likewise, must be dignified. They must be dignified. The word for deacon... In the Greek is the word diaknos. It is also translated in other places in Scripture. Not in other places in Scripture now, it is translated servant, or it can be translated minister. Denominations throughout history have called them different things. I truly believe this is part of my preference. Some people have deacons, right, have a group of people that are the deacon body of the church. They are the servants of the church. They care for the widows and the orphans. They care, you know, they meet needs within the church. I have nothing against that, okay? I'm seeing things a little bit differently now as, as pastor, but I see things a little bit different, but they're defined by their helps, a deacon is defined by their helps. An elder is defined by their role in the headship of the church. The deacon is defined by their function. They serve the needs of the church. The word diakonos literally means servant. Nothing more, nothing less. They are a servant of the kingdom of God. Denominations have different church titles, right? Some people call these assistants. Some people call them coordinators. We call them at North directors, we call them directors. If you are comfortable with a typical Southern Baptist, they, they have deacons, a deacon body. We have directors. And I'll clarify that in a moment. Remember, the important thing is that we are unified in purpose to reach the lost and to grow ourselves in the kingdom of God. Listen to number two. So we see the positions of the church. We see the posture of the church leadership. 1 Timothy 3 Verses 2 through 7. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. An overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all the dignity, keeping his children submissive. For, someone does, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must be a decent, con, a recent convert, or a decent one too, I would guess, a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil." What does he say? He needs to be a recent convert because if not, he'll become puffed up with conceit and fall into the trap. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. These are the qualifications 
of the elders, of the overseer, of the pastors. As I read this list, there is one phrase that Baptists have taken and they have beat everybody over the head with. One thing that stands out above every other as I in pastoral worlds talk with other pastors about things they struggle with. That phrase, can you guess it? Husband of one wife. My grandmother knew it. My grandmother knew it. Husband of one wife. Literally in the Greek, meaning a one-woman man. Now, what does that mean? To which I would respond, this is interpretive, right? I am not in any way going to say that somebody that disagrees with my point of view is wrong because it's, it's vague. I think it's intentionally vague for a purpose because I have seen Southern Baptist churches make this such a big deal and they completely disregard the other stuff. If a man serving as deacon gets a divorce... He's forced to step down. But as long as he doesn't do that, he can be a drunk, he can, he can, uh, his kids can go wayward, all of these different things can happen. But as long as that doesn't happen, he's fine. That's being guilty of being a Pharisee. Because I don't struggle with it, I'll harp on that. But this whole self-control and living above reproach thing, that, that's different. When you study the Greek syntax, when you study the Greek language, what you find is this husband of one wife is one of a bunch of classifications, of lists, of qualifications for a leader. Do you know what the main principle is of this list? The main principle is that this man must be, the overseer must be above reproach. This is the emphasis of the whole text. And for us to emphasize anything other than this is to put over importance on things that are not as important. Is that important? Yes, because it's a qualification. But it's not more important than the other qualifications. But what is important is that that man is above reproach. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a hard standard to live up to. To live above the standard that someone could be critical of anything you do. That is an impossible standard. But this is what God has called the elders of the church to live under. They are to be above reproach in every area. This word, above reproach, appears only three times in all of Scripture. It appears all in 1 Timothy. Twice it appears about the message, the message that Timothy's been entrusted. And once here, it talks about the messenger that God has entrusted to deliver the message. It's all about the message. And so in order to live above reproach, I live above reproach so that the message of God is not hindered in any way. This is the role and the responsibility of an elder. You're saying, well, Alan, you haven't told us what you think yet. To which I would remind you, we are to live above Reproach. To be in this position, you live above reproach. There's some distinguishing things, though, not just this one area, but there's distinguishing things that are said of elders. Number one, they're to be able to teach. This right here rules out a ton of folks. If they're going to be an elder board, that's fine, but I believe that those people should be able to dispense God's word with clarity and conviction. If there's going to be an elder board, that's how they should do it. And so for our leaders, we want them to be able to communicate God's word. They hear a word from God and they communicate it in the form of vision for the church. So they have to be able to teach. 
It's not just somebody who's like, well, I don't think we should do it this way. No, it's somebody that's able to clearly understand and determine and discern why it is we're doing it. Not just because you don't like it because you've never done it that way, but because God's word says this is the role of an overseer. It also says they're not to be a recent convert. Obviously, this speaks to maturity. Right? They need to be mature in their walk with the Lord. They need to have walked with God to have matured. They're not baby Christians. They're not still in the milk of God's word. And then thirdly, and I think this is neglected by a lot of churches, they are to be thought well of, not just by the church. They're to be thought well of by outsiders. You know what that tells me? The role of the overseer is not just in this pulpit. It's not just within these four walls. The role of the overseer is also outside these walls. And there are so many churches that would fight, kill, and die for their pastor. But in the community, they're either neutral because they don't know who he is because he's never out there, or he's against things. And they only know what the pastor stands against, right? And so for us as a church, your overseers, I want you to know, will be pushed to go outside to do the scent series that we went through. They will be doing and serving in these capacities because their overseeing should also mean that they have great reputation outside these four walls as well. Does that make sense? So there's a reputation. An elder's integrity is known through public reputation. He has a reputation of being a man of God. I would say, so the sake of going off script and not just because he's here, but if there is one thing that has been modeled for me as a person, as a, as a believer, and as a pastor, is you won't find someone that casts a bigger shadow in their community than Lon Ostrisky. Than my dad. I mean, there are people that I have never seen before that dad's on a first name basis with. And I'm like, who is that? When we're walking through Walmart, forget it. I'm like, dad, I'm going to get my own stuff. I, I got to go. I got to get stuff done, right? Like every man for himself. He'll pick up one thing. I'll pick up a hundred. You know, like that's just how it works because dad has a reputation outside the community. To know my dad is to know that, yes, he serves inside the four walls, but he's known way more for what he does outside those walls. He has a great reputation in the community. And this is something that overseers should strive for, and it's unique to their role. Just to have a church that really loves their pastor and only focuses on what their pastor does in the four walls of this church becomes selfish, and then the church becomes about that particular church and not about the kingdom. This is the danger, right? This is the danger that he may become puffed up and conceited and fall into condemnation of the devil. It is condemnation for the church to focus more about what's going on inside the four walls than outside. It's condemnation. It's, it's not how the church was made to function. But an elder's integrity is known through public reputation. 1 Timothy 3, 8-13 talks about the qualifications for the deacons. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for, for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with clear conscience and let them also be tested first and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. This is where the idea of ordination council and these things have come about, this testing of somebody. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, not, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, there it is again, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves 
yourselves in also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. There's so much that's similar in the roles of a deacon and an elder. But there, are, there is a clear distinction. And the, in the, it is in the idea of testing. So test the deacons. The deacons are to be tested. A deacon's integrity, while may not be known initially, is learned through private righteousness. In your notes, a deacon's integrity is learned through private righteousness. Now, that is not to say that the elder doesn't have private righteousness. He's just known by good reputation, but he's a mile wide and an inch deep. What it means is he has both. In fact, I would say for Paul and Timothy, what Paul was exhorting Timothy to do is, hey, if you want to find an elder, look in your deacons first. Look in your servants first. I would say that would be my, that has been my experience in the church, that I served in the church long before I was ever paid by a church. Right, And so I was taken from this role of deacon, of servant, of diaconos, and I was moved into the office of elder over time. So a deacon's integrity is learned through private righteousness. They're held accountable. They are, they're, they're studied. And listen, if you want to do that and, and have that as an ordination council, then fine. If your church polity is to lead a church with a deacon body, then that is completely fine. I don't disagree with that. But there's the accountability of the deacon is the main goal. And they're to be found. And when they're not found to be where they need to be with the Lord, then they should resign. They should be step aside in that role as deacon. There's also an inclusion of ladies here. Now, it says their wives. That's an interpretive decision based in the Greek. It says their wives. The word in the Greek literally is translated women. Not there. It's not possessive. This was an interpretive decision. Now, it could mean their wives... But it could also just mean women. And there is debate on every end of, well, can a woman be deacon or not? Or is it talking about their wife or is it not? Right? There's debate on that. It's significant debate on that. All right? But again, we're, we're missing the point. Right? The point is to live above reproach. The point is to be about the unity of the body. I will take it this far. I believe, based upon God's word's definition of diakonos, of deacon, I believe when people have asked me, like, hey, when are we going to have deacons in the church? Like, y'all, 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 some of y'all ask me these questions. Like, when are, gonna, when are our church going to have deacons? What I'll tell you is, I believe we have deacons right now. I believe we have them right now. And here's really controversial. The way I define deacon, many of them are women. Many of those servants are women. They're not defined by headship. They're defined by their function. They function as helpers, as servants, but they're appointed as well. Let's, for clarity, let's look at Acts 6, okay? While you're all processing that in Southern Baptist worlds, Adrian Rogers is rolling over in his grave. No, I'm just kidding. Acts 6, 1 through 7. Love Adrian Rogers, all right? Acts 6, 1 through 4. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. What they were saying was, it's taking away what I'm having to do in ministry is taking away from the time I'm spent hearing from God and then communicating God to our people. 
Therefore, brothers, pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So what do we know about deacons based on when they became established? The disciples weren't enough. They weren't enough to meet all the needs of the church. And so they appointed seven men. And their job, they were appointed by the leaders, appointed by the disciples that would be considered the elders, right? Or the pastors. They, They were appointed by the elders to meet a very tangible need in the church. This was their role. They were to pick seven men and they would meet a need at the church. So I believe the deacon role should be fulfilled in two ways. Number one, they're appointed by the leadership. They're appointed by the elders. They're appointed by me, myself, Will, Joseph. We appoint them, and they meet needs within the church. Again, they're defined not by their office, their position, but by their purpose, right? And so they, they, they meet needs. And so here's what happens. In most churches that I see that I recognize in my mind, Southern Baptist it is. It's where I have all my experience and tenure. I see a lot of deacon bodies that are not serving in the office of deacon. They are serving in the office of elder. Okay? So this is the point of clarification here. If you are a deacon, you are a servant. And the reason why I know you're a servant is because just like in Acts, you are meeting tangible needs in the church in support of the vision of the elders. Okay? But many in churches today, they have a deacon body and they are the decision makers. Or their wives are the decision makers, right? And they communicate that vision to the church. And if it is in opposition to the pastor, then there is division, there is a church split, and the kingdom of God is hurt. This is how it happens. But the office of deacon is one that meets a need, is pointed by the leadership to serve the vision in the direction of the church. Now, I'm not saying one way, I'm not saying having a deacon body is wrong. In fact, there may be a time in our church as needs develop that I need people to serve in other capacities than what we currently have. But to say that we don't have deacons, I believe to be false. I want to introduce them to you. I want to introduce the people that I see as deacon that allow me to lead this church the way that I believe God has called me to lead it. Can I introduce you to them? First one we've got is Jeremiah. Jeremiah Wesson. Many of you know him as the guy that's super passionate on the base. That is not all that he does. He is over our groups. If you're a group leader, you coordinate and work with Jeremiah Wesson. He's also going to be taking over. He's the director right? Because we don't want to make anybody mad. We call them directors, not deacons, right? They are the, he is the director over our small groups. Aaron Spencer. Aaron Spencer is our director over first impressions. If you don't like how you're treated when you get to this church, that's the man you talk to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. He's he's a vision caster. Um, All right, so this is Aaron Spencer. He is over our first touch, our first impressions ministry. Uh, Brenna Bonner, 
uh, has functioned today as a servant. She has served in the office and the director of baptisms, right? So she is over our baptism ministry. My son, when he got here with his mama, had a host from the time that he got here to the time that he leaves. He had a host that would make sure he needed to go where he needed to go. That's a scary thing for a lot of people. Baptism can be a big hurdle, and so she is a hostess over that. She's also over our recycling ministry. So recycle, all right? We got those blue bins. You can recycle as well. We, that we, that's not a, just a suggestion. That's something that we want you to do. Uh, Sarah Wesson is our hospitality director. Words are hard, y'all. Hospitality director. She is over. If you've gotten a sun drop, you've gotten a coffee, you've gotten a donut, you've gotten some water here at this church, she is the one that has coordinated the person that handed that to you. She casts vision on it, and she has done a great job filling that role. By the way, if you, I'm wanting you to see these people because this is the place that some of y'all need to be serving. Some of you need to be that unappointed servant, that unappointed diaconos, and need to serve under these some of these folks. All right. Next, we have, where's my spot? Samantha. Samantha is our preschool director. And if there's anybody that hates what I'm making her do right now more, it is Samantha. She hates it. She doesn't like being in front of me, but she is our preschool director. And Lord knows she is a servant. Can you imagine a pastor that is trying to meet the needs of preschool as well as preach on a Sunday morning? Ben Bryan is our parking lot director. He's our parking team director. And so he's, his response was once you pull on the campus, you know where to go, you know how to get there, and you get everything situated the way you need to go. And so Ben is our parking uh, director. Dustin is our, Dustin Luter is our next steps coordinator, our next steps director. So his job is to make sure when you come that you know how to take your next step in Christ. We want you, when you come to church the first time, we want to take you to take the next step. That looks like coming again. All right. Once you've come twice, we want you to start becoming a regular attender. That's the next step. Once you've done that, we want you to become a member. That's the next step. We want you to get involved in a group. That's the next step. He's our next steps director. Cheryl Luter, his wife, is our children's director. She has somewhere around 20 kids every Sunday in a 30 by 15 size room. Right? So thank you, Cheryl, for your service. <laughs> thank you for serving in this office. Uh, Will Worthy is our security director. Will, he had to step out, he told me, uh, during the second service. Will Worthy is our security director. Many of you didn't even know we had a security team. But if something went down, you'd know, all right? They're the ones that are serving, keeping us safe every single week. Uh, and then Donna Clark, our newest uh, ministry team director, uh, she is over our welcome wagon ministry. So when we have a new person that moves into our community. There's a software that we can look at and shows where they live and we can go and put, give them a gift from Lindsay Lane as well as from the rest of our community. She serves in that way. She oversees that ministry, right? These are servants that if it wasn't for them, we don't pull off what we pull off on a Sunday or throughout the week. We don't reach outside these walls and inside these walls. We don't do it without them. And so if you're appreciative of their service, would y'all just give them a hand? Thank you, guys. Thank you all so much. I did that as an illustration because I want you to see we have people serving in the church. It's not just mine and Will's job to pull off church. There are people that are serving. I would call them deacons based on how I interpret Scripture. If you want to call them directors, that's fine, but I see them functioning in that role. So I don't necessarily see a need for a board of directors of, of deacons because we have those in leadership. But thirdly and finally, right, this is the posture that they take is one of service that has been tested, that has been 
tried that is true as the elders provide oversight. Thirdly and finally, we see the purpose of church leadership. Don't miss this. This is why it all matters. Amen. Verse 14, I hope to come to you soon, (laughs) but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. You are a reflection. Our gathered church is a reflection of Christ to this community. Never miss that. We are a reflection to Christ. And for us to represent a fractured body is to represent a fractured Savior. But we are representatives of the living God. Great indeed, verse 16, we confess is the mystery of godliness. If there is a reason to exist as a church, our purpose is godliness. Godliness is he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. Who does that sound like? It's Jesus. The purpose of our church, the why we need servants, the why we, reason we need overseers, is because we are reflecting Christ And Christ lives in me. And God is worthy to live within the bodies of every single person in this lost and dying world. So our purpose is to see godliness. Godliness in me looks like me maturing in my walk with the Lord. Looks like you maturing in your walk with the Lord. But godliness in the world looks like the message of the gospel being preached to a lost and dying world. Why do we have leadership? Why do we, why do we have deacon and elder? Why, do, why is this a thing? Why this is controversial? It doesn't, but it's not. It doesn't have to cause divisions. When it becomes about us, it gets divisive. But when it's about him, when it's about this message, it becomes powerful and life transforming. This is God's design for us. And so regardless of how you see deacons and elders and how you, the church you grew up in and all those things, I want you to know I'm committed to these roles in our church. I'm committed to be that to this church. And I want to see you grow and I want to see you go. That's what we're about. Both leaders and laity, if we are to be about godliness, God in me and God in others, both the leaders and the lady are gospel-driven to grow and go, to see it in others, see it in ourselves, and see it in others. I hope that's why you're here. If it's not, I want you to know that you have an opportunity to respond, to see that that relationship with Christ can be a part of your life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? We have church leadership leading in a unified way so that the kingdom of God becomes the banner for the context the church is in. And I truly hope and believe 
that we don't major on the minor so much that we miss the purpose. We miss the mission. And that's to grow and to go. And so if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, consider this message my way of going to you. I want you to know that we serve a Jesus who died on the cross. As, as, as Paul told Timothy, right? He was buried. He was raised. He proved who he was. And his death can bring you life. If you will surrender yourself to him, if you will follow him as Lord and Savior of your life, then you can experience life in Christ. And so if you're here and you don't have that relationship with Christ, man, all this church politics stuff, that doesn't mean anything to you. I want you to hear a unified message from North, and I pray it's always true of us. What you hear is the gospel. So respond to it today. Regardless of what other people are thinking, maybe somebody thinks you've been a believer for a long time. Would you respond today? I'm here at the front. would love to talk to you about how you can know you have eternal life through Christ. Maybe you want to join what God's doing here at North. Maybe you want to join our church. We'd love to walk you through that process, how you can do that, how you can continue to grow. But whatever decision needs to be made, I pray that you would be receptive to the Holy Spirit's invitation in this time of response. Father, lead us, guide us, grow us, and send us out. Let this invitation be a way to equip us, to prepare us for what you're going to do in our life. If that looks like someone that needs to come for salvation, Lord, I pray that they would come in boldness today. Though no one may come with them, Lord, they would come and they would receive you as Lord and Savior. God, whatever decision needs to be made today, I pray that, that we would respond to you at your invitation. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for allowing us. Though you don't need us, we thank you for allowing us to be part of it. We're humbled by that. And in that humility, let us respond to you today. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet as we have a time of response? Would you come? Whatever decision needs to be made, maybe you just need to do some some business with the Lord. Maybe you need to pray here at the altar. Whatever, it's open for you. Whatever you need to do today, I want you to respond. Another way when the walls are closing in. And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone there was another in the fire would you come would you come how about you next to me what do you need to let go there was of another to respond the to the invitations today holding back the seas should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free there is a cross that bears the burden Where another died for me There is another in the fire This next verse is for you. you All my death left for dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore Should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? Either way, I won't bow to the things of this world. Lift your voice. And I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire. 
standing next to me there is another in the waters holding back the seas should i ever need reminding what power set me free there is a grave that holds nobody and now that power lives in me That may be my favorite line in any worship song right now. There's a grave that holds nobody. Now that power lives in me. And praise the Lord. You can have a seat. Thank you for coming today. If you're visiting us online, I want you to remind you, as well as in person, those connect cards are a way to do more than just let us know some information. We want to know if you made a decision today for the Lord. And so whether in person or online, you can go to that original post, click on that link to the online connect card. And if you made any decision today, we'd love to follow up with you on that. And for you in person, you can turn that connect card into the bucket on the way out. Okay? Y'all check out these announcements and we'll close family. I've got a few things for you before you leave today. First, VBS starts tomorrow. And if you want your child to participate, you can visit our next steps table and grab a QR code. That'll take you directly to the sign up form. There's also a link on our website under the events tab. Drop off begins at 5:30 p.m. tomorrow. Next, our first women's ministry luncheon is July 24th at 12 p.m. It's planned by our North Women's Ministry and it's a free event for ladies of all ages. Katie White will be the speaker with worship led by Monica Blythe. If you want to sign up, you can follow the link in your bulletin or visit the next steps table. And students, our hype night is tonight at 5 p.m. here in the sanctuary. I'd love to see every one of you 5th through 12th graders there. Make plans to come and join us. Will and the band will lead us in worship. We'll play some games. And most importantly, we'll study God's word. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be fun. And finally, Food Trucks and Fireworks is happening on June 27th from 5 to 9 p.m. We need volunteers to pull off this huge community event, so sign up today. Here's a video to tell you more about Food Trucks and Fireworks. Hey everybody, we're here at the Elkmont Rec Fields to tell you about an event that's coming up. We've had two years of successful fireworks displays here at these fields and this year is going to be bigger and better than ever. That's right, Alan. It's going to be bigger than it ever has before because all three campuses will be coming together for food trucks and fireworks from 5 to 9 p.m. here at the Elkmont Municipal Rec Field. That's right, Andy John. We're going to have multiple food trucks, professional uh, programmed fireworks show, inflatables, giveaways, and even a tethered hot air balloon. We want to see you there. And I'd like to think that we could communicate all this in a mature and straightforward manner but that's just not really our style. We're gonna run through all of that information one more time for you, but just to speed things up, we're gonna give ourselves a time limit, the length of this fuse. June, uh, food trucks and fireworks, June 27, Food trucks and fireworks, uh, June 27, five to 9 p.m. at Elmar Residence. <laughs> Golly, it's so much louder than I thought. <laughs> yeah, cover the other side. <laughs> <laughs> multiple food trucks and for folk and professional power show multiple food works gosh multiple food trucks and program professional fireworks show we'll also have free inflatables and giveaways and hot air balloon rides we'll also have free inflatables giveaways and hot air balloon rides on tethers 
Bottom line is we're all going to have a great time together, and I promise we will leave the fireworks to the professionals. Man, if we can just learn how to have some fun around here, we'll be all right, won't we? Hey, it's always good to see y'all. You know, Alan meant, made mention of, of my, my mad hopping uh, bass activity. Uh, we, we have some of this pottery. You know, my wife pointed out to me that we, you know, artifacts don't always come in these nice, whole, unblemished relics. Uh, so we have some of these up here. Now, we had this discussion at 1013 after I picked this pot up that we knocked off of the sub uh, during the first service. We were, we were hopping so loud that... Uh, that this thing just vibrated its way right off, and there was this nice big crash right in the middle of the service. So if this was yours, man, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that whosoever this is is not a family relic. I'm hoping this was uh, $9.99 plus 40% off coupon at Hobby Lobby. Um, so who knows? Um, but it, if it is yours, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. So there is, uh, we're at the point in the service where we do our offering. Uh, the offering buckets are in the back. Uh, if you came to prepare to give in cash or check, you can do that. If you're a guest with us, we never ask our guests to tithe or give financially. We just ask that you take your Connect card and place that in the bucket so we can reach out to you this week. Uh, a couple other ways you can give. You can text North Give to 31996. You can also give online at lindsaylanenorth.org. And for those of you watching online, you can text, you can mail cash or check to the address at the bottom of the screen. All right. Uh, on your way out, stop by Next Steps. Find out how you can get plugged into our ministries. We've got summer groups going on this summer. We've got food trucks and fireworks coming up. I have to think about that every time. Andy John's not the only one that messes that up. Food trucks and fireworks coming up this summer. We've got VBS next week. If your kids aren't registered, come on by. Yeah, next week as in the week that is right now. <laughs> it's, it's the week that most people call this week, actually. Uh, so come tomorrow for VBS. Bring your kids with you. Uh, and we have mission trip coming up at the end of July. Lots of great stuff coming up here at North. Stop by Next Steps to find out how you can get plugged in. That's it. Have a great day. May God be glorified in us. Y'all are dismissed.